The scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through chapter 3, verse 13. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, to every animal of the field. But for the man there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, and out of the man this one was taken. Therefore the man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then their eyes of both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard of the sound of God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Glad to see you today, especially to those of you who may be here for the first time or new to Hattiesburg. We have something in common, so am I. And uh, I think this is Sunday number six, Um, but we're having fun. And uh, Curry and the boys and I are getting settled in here in the community in our home and uh, getting registered for school. And uh, that's right around the corner. So I hope that you've had a good summer. And uh, one of the things I've been trying to do this summer is speak about some of the great truths of the Scripture. Some of the doctrines that we hold in the United Methodist Church and what it means to be a Christian. And so today I picked a real good one. It's a three-letter word. Now, I don't know if you grew up and where people said, don't use four-letter words. I did. I knew some of them. I'm not going to say any of them in church. It might not be a good idea. But um, there's a three-letter word, 
And uh, that's part of what I want to talk to you about, about a three-letter word and then a four-letter word that's even better. It's a good four-letter word. So before you leave here today, you can at least use this four-letter word. In fact, you'll really like it. I want to begin by telling you that one of the best books I ever read in my life was written by M. Scott Peck. It was entitled The Road Less Traveled. Some of you may have read the book. It's a classic. And in the book, the very first sentence in the book, it says, life is difficult. Life is difficult. In fact, he believes that life is filled with all sorts of challenges and problems. Sometimes they're tragedies. Um, Sometimes there are things that happen beyond our control, but sometimes we do make bad choices and the consequences are overwhelming and sometimes even catastrophic. Um, I remember uh, just a few months ago or a few years ago, we were all reeling from and had no idea what the BP oil spill might have caused. And we still don't know all the ramifications of what that oil in the Gulf of Mexico has to do for our environment for the years to come. Technology is a wonderful thing, but sometimes it can go awry. The best intentions uh, of, are also sometimes come back to bite us. Um, I like movies, and I'm going to show you a clip of a classic one-liner in Hollywood that speaks well to what I'm talking about this morning. Watch. Houston, we have a problem. Our problem, brothers and sisters, is sin. That's the three-letter word. No matter how you slice it, it's our problem. Try as we may to get rid of it, it's our problem. NASA had some problems. And you know what they did? They checked the symptoms of the problem. They they tried to go back and retrace what the problem was, but they discovered at the end of the movie, if you watched it, that the problem happened before Apollo 13 ever lifted off the ground. It is a miracle, really, that these astronauts came back into the Earth's orbit and landed in the ocean and were returned to their families. Nothing short of a miracle. But problems, what, what would we do if we didn't have them? And what would we do if we didn't solve them. Our problem is that we humans 
still can accept our gift from God. That God created us originally to be a little lower than the angels, and he placed us in this beautiful garden. But for Adam and Eve, that wasn't enough. No. They had to have it all. They had to know. And so they lived with a false self. Sin brought into existence a false self. Richard Rohr calls it a false self. He says that it's our relationship that invites us to inflate ourselves, to to walk around and pretend that we're something that we're not. And we don't do this all the time. But you know, and I know there have been times when you felt insecure, and, and so we sort of made a seem, situation seem better than it really was. Or uh, when somebody says, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Ever said that before? Oh, I'm fine. Or that commercial says, never let them, let them see you sweat. That's the false self. We've created idols of, of self-reliance, of, of money, even our own talent. We build our security systems in tribal alliances around the world, military might, and the survival of the fittest. And we all live in a jungle east of paradise, never to return. This Genesis story that Sid read a few minutes ago is this wonderful metaphor of the drama that's played out in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, and it's played out in your life and in my life. Our sin is a broken trust between us and God. And Adam and Eve participated. Eve trusted the adversary. Eve experienced another three-letter word, a lie. Go ahead, eat. You won't die. God just doesn't want you to be like God. And so in their actions, they introduced shame into the world. They were made aware of their lost estate. They saw their nakedness and their innocence and idealism was gone. Therefore, they covered themselves up to hide, literally and figuratively. They felt like something was bad, and they were bad. When confronted with the truth of the choices and their consequences, they were left to blame. Now, I don't know if any of you guys have ever said this before, but Adam said it, the wimp. It was her fault. It was her fault. You're on your own, Doc. It was the snake. The snake made me do it. Consequences. They made excuses. Haven't you? I have. I've made excuses. Don't be too hard on Adam and Eve, though. How much do you really trust God? Curry and I belong to a Sunday school class. I visited her class from time to time, if the truth be known. And one of the, one of the lessons we studied last year 
was around knowing one's true self. And one of the points made by the author and a member of the class was this. We can justify anything we want to. Even telling lies to ourselves. Surely I'm not the only person here in, in the room that likes their own personal idols. You don't have to go back to the Old Testament story of Moses and the, and the children of Israel and the golden calf to look at idols. I, I like idols. They make me comfortable. Technology. I mean, how many TVs do you have at your house? Don't answer. I like clothes. And we can justify spending whatever we want to justify spending for, can't we? Well, I need it. Mama, I need it. Everybody's got one. So don't be so hard on Adam and Eve. But if you really want to convince yourself with the support of a few friends that anything's all right, given enough time, ask Adam and Eve. They'll tell you. They'll tell you. Now, I mentioned Scott Peck a few minutes ago at the outset of the sermon. Scott wrote another book a few years later entitled People of the Lie. This book is chronicles case study after case study of people who were diagnosed with a personality disorder. The common thread of all these persons was that they all lived and functioned in normal lives. But their malady was this. In all their relationships, whether it be with the family, whether it be with friends and social networks, or it be on the job, these people love drama. They love chaos. They love to start stuff and then step out of the way, take no responsibility for their actions, and watch everybody go crazy. Dr. Peck said the only way people can be dealt with is for them to come to terms with their responsibility to come to terms with their actions, to come to terms with the hurt that they caused themselves and other people. Treating the symptoms is a waste of time, he said. It was only when the person came to accept their circumstances that they were able to turn and move towards wholeness. A few years ago when I was a young preacher, a long time ago actually, um, I served in a rural community. And in that rural community was a, um, a beauty shop. They didn't call it a salon. And it was just for women. And the proprietor of that beauty shop was a woman in my church. And, well, let me just say it this way. You could find out about anything in the community and anybody you wanted to know to when you get, to get, once you get your hair done on whatever day you went. I mean, it was a wealth of cultural information. And sometimes some of the things that came out of that house or that business were words, well, they weren't very flattering. Uh, gossip, maybe. And, and I heard one of these words one time. These, someone had said something and it came out into the community. And, and I mean, it made me blush. I was not, I was appalled by what I heard. And so very tactfully, and I tried to be 
somewhat humorous about this. But I, I said to the lady who was a member of my church, don't you know that in the scripture there's an admonition about gossip? And she looked at me, kind of snarled, and she says, preacher, it ain't gossip if it's true. Really? Justification. Anything, given the time and enough support. You know what's sad is that this person's life was really painful. She had a lot of brokenness in her life. A lot of sadness. And I guess her only way to ease her pain was to talk about other people. I don't know about y'all, but I'm guilty. Been there, done that. It didn't ease my pain. Pain is eased when we receive peace. The peace of God. And our sin can only be healed when we receive the peace of God from the source which is a four-letter word. And that four-letter word is love. And love's source is God. And the good news today, my friends, is that sin has been defeated by God's love. Jesus chose the path of love in the face of death. So we might have life. Love is sin's greatest enemy. And God's love is the enemy that sin cannot defeat. Now, every Sunday I've tried to offer us some Methodist theological perspective. And today I want to offer you John Wesley's three rules for Christian living. Somebody called them the simple rules. Yeah, right. Think about these words. I'd love for you to memorize them. Do no harm. That's practiced in the medical community as one of the core values in all of medicine. Do no harm. I wish my little boys understood that, huh? Do no harm. Remember that song? You, maybe you sung it as a, little, as a child. Uh, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down with love. Or, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Or, oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Do no harm. If we practice that in our primary relationships at home, wow. Do good. John Wesley said do good all the time, wherever you can, to as many people as you can, forever as you can. For Do good. And then lastly, stay in love with God. And staying in love with God is what we're doing right now. We're in worship. When you pray, you're staying in love with God. When you serve someone, you're staying in love with God. When you spend time with the Scripture, you're staying in love with God. You're practicing. The, the word is discipline, Christian disciplines. It's from the same root word as the word disciple. You see, when we stay in love with God... These feelings of shame and worthlessness are held at bay. 
This false self doesn't need to, to, to blow itself up and, and pretend to be someone it's not. But sometimes we're a lot like fish. We see the bait, but not the hook. There will always be a hook. There will always be an allure wrapped with a disguise. We can't defeat this alone. Ask anybody who is in the recovery community. Can't do this by ourselves. And the first place that happens is when we we surrender. Language like higher power or to God or whatever it is that we get the self out of the way. The ego is, is defeated. We can't do it by ourselves. But thank goodness for grace. Thank goodness for God. I love that song we were singing this morning. I tell the praise bands. First time I'd ever heard it. Playing, dancing in the field of God's grace. Isn't that cool? That's a great image. That we live our lives dancing in the field of God's grace. Love is stronger. Love has defeated grace. In fact, listen to these words. Love has defeated sin because of God's grace. Listen to these words Paul writes in the 8th chapter of Romans. And all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor things present or the future or any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8 37 and 38. We're able to do this because of God's grace. Sin does not have the power over us it once had. Yes, it trips us up. Yes, it fools us. Yes, it deceives us. But where God's love is demonstrated, it flees. It runs away. Today, my friends, I want you to know that there's hope for your life. There's hope for your relationships. There's hope for your family. And there's hope for this world because God's going to work through us. This morning, I want to, to, to pull this sermon together with an old song I, I used to sing in my childhood. It's an old gospel song. The plant, band's going to join us, and I'm going to invite them to come on right now quickly. Um, it's a song about this text, this scripture from Genesis that was read, about how God has redeemed us in love and grace. And it's actually written, the text is actually written by a Jewish guy, a Jewish poet named Frederick Martin Lehman. So listen this morning and join as the praise team joins me on the second verse. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell the guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win his erring child he reconciled 
and pardon from our sins. 